0: Let us begin this conclusion with the light of this day, Remembrance Day in Britain and parts of the world, and the birdsong of this day. What comes to us from eternity, beyond all human understanding of time, yet is of time, This is present in your current breath and mine, the pause before the exhalation, the slight pause before the inhalation. In that pause and in that life force of breathing is eternity beyond our understanding yet of our lives. What if eternity is one willingly Embodying this moment and the moment before turning to the next moment. If we're coming from eternity, going back into eternity, and we're a creature of eternity, in the heart of hearts, in the soul, in the cells of one's body, is the signature of heaven of God, whatever we call him or her or that of the universe. It is filled with light, mysterious, Anna Akhmadava's secret of secrets, and yet evident in self as a living signature in space beyond all violence. What does one embody through the cells of one's incarnation beyond all violence. In the moment just past, the current moment, enlightened, listening to the bird song, embodying the next moment into eternity. Where we hesitate and react rather than being and becoming, we are justifying violence. No, I can't awaken yet. I can't be alive yet. I can't enter the future yet until I react against something out there that's other, that's the shadow of myself and of the universe that I don't know yet. So allow yourself to integrate through whatever your philosophies of life and path are the receptive or quintessential feminine side of your understanding, the active. Or masculine side of your understanding and self until all that is in shadow comes into the light of heaven through your heart and soul and yourselves and then the heart of hearts opens in response to God whatever we name him or her or that and begins to be revealed through the universe through the elements, the plants and animals, and through other human beings. And we then have, in Stephen Levine's words, the responsibility, the ability to respond to that in one another. And that would be the heart of hearts, the path of paths. Whenever we're blessed to know a person of great wisdom, we find that he or she or they come forward from this principle to mentor us and a providential echo moves from the universe through that being into us and back until we learn a responsibility to that being's mentoring of us Oh, in this way he showed me Like this she showed me how to face Recapitulating my history, resonating with the divine and everyone and everything around me to become who I am, to represent that responsibly on behalf of heaven. When one lives from the center of the heart of this place, one is remembered in eternity. One is the child of that, the daughter or son, the infant of that, the youth of that, the mature being, the elder. There are occasional people whose names we will remember from lives. Marcus Aurelius, Jesus, Jesus' mother Mary. We turn to them so that we might find a way to respond to what they did in history, that we might resonate from our heart of hearts, our in-breath into out-breath, toward eternity for the future, for all beings and all of creation, including ourselves. In light of those virtues, we find an integrity and impeccability of the soul, a quality standing with nobility. Marcus Aurelius stated virtues which were important to him. He had several of them. He considered the greatest qualities of value in life he had found. Courage, justice, discipline, and wisdom. These were his directions all of his life. He then added to those six other virtues cooperative, straightforward, modest, sane, disinterested, upright. In utilizing Akhmadova as a mentor in this class, I turn to aspects of the books I have found about her in regarding various scholarly books written about her. I found one just researching it online where she had translated Chinese poems into Russian and Korean poems into Russian. You know, she also had a, a degree in law from the university in Kiev in the Ukraine. Interesting, this woman of St. Petersburg. And this was said of Akhmatova in her later years. This is a friend of hers named uh, Nadeza Chulkova. I saw Akhmatova in the bloom of fame and in the misfortune that, that befell her. She lived through everything with dignity and bore courageously the burden and bitterness of life's adversities. Several times in her life she shared her thoughts with a person she loved, but this bond, which sometimes lasted a long time, would be torn and again there was loneliness, and again poems full of bitterness and courage. I saw her in thin old shoes and threadbare dresses, and in luxurious clothes with a precious shawl on her shoulders. But no matter what she wore, no matter what grief was tearing her apart, she always walked with a calm step and refused to give in to the attempts to humiliate her. So this quality of nobility in posture within one's soul, the suppleness of vulnerability and noble responsibility to heaven in one's heart of hearts, allows one's signature to be embodied as every breath of your life and mine in that responsibility to heaven that is your signature and mine. Let us pray and practice in this. I turn back to Anne Frank and her friend, her neighbor Hannah Gosler. I contemplated the article that was present in the newspaper these recent weeks. It stated that her neighbor Gosler was on a train when the liberation occurred of Germany and the concentration camps. And she was on what was famously called a train to nowhere. They were called a lost train. In the waning days of the war, this is from the article, in the waning days of the war, the Germans put Hanna, her sister, and many other prisoners on what has come to be called a, quote, lost train which meandered for 10 days but never reached its destination, believed to be the dot camp in Czechoslovakia. When it was liberated by the Red Army, Hanna weighed only 66 pounds. This is the same Hanna who tossed food in a sock across the fence in another concentration camp that might have been some of the last food eaten by her friend Aunt Frank. This resonance of our souls and hearts in love for the divine and serving or caretaking or shepherding or absolutely cherishing this place of the divine in one another is our home. I'm telling you several stories here of the friend of Akhmadova's commenting about Akhmadova's nobility of posture in her soul and life, and of Von Frank and her friend, and how as a girl when I would hear of and then read the story of Von Frank, I was aware that I did not have some other chapter which was to be understood or received by me. I could feel myself paying attention. And then when I read this recent article which John brought to me, I was aware, oh, her friend came to her in the last weeks of Aunt Frank's life, and when Frank thought that both of her parents were deceased, she had given up her will to live. She had not known her father was still alive. Yet somehow, mercifully, her friend was there, ever so briefly, yet brought the blessing of food, not enough, but a gesture of heaven. And the gesture sought by those two girls, friends from kindergarten forward, lives in your heart and mine, is part of a prayer in eternity for all of humankind, for each son and daughter, each person born of woman and man and test tube. How do we live with that nobility present in the heart of Akhmadava, or of these two little girls, we begin to be receptive, the feminine part of us receiving the grace resonant in us as birdsong of this day. We embody the light moving through our senses, our incarnate bodies as we breathe, as we seek action, the masculine part of expressing our path on this day. So that our signature becomes something beyond all arguments and all scars and woundedness we have received or caused or have our ancestors and yours and yours and yours and his and hers and theirs. And rather than defining the path through the arguments, we let the heart open and the soul open to heaven, greeting a dawn that allows us to represent eternity through all of those places of seeking, never letting go of that seed at the very center of the heart of hearts and turning toward eternity in the present and future allowing it to be responding and responding and responding nothing facing us causing us to lose that direction I have a flag before me it's a little banner of white prayer flags there's a handful of them sewn together of beautiful fabric They were sewn by a beloved colleague of mine, very beloved friend of mine, who just had surgery on her eyes for cataracts and aging in her eyes. She's in her her seventies. And she stitched by hand, praying, praying for the children, and the children, and the children, and the children. So as I speak, this is held in my hands. To which child should this banner be given to hang in their window, out in a tree in their yard, up above their cradle or crib. Flags like this are tied around parts of China, Mongolia, Tibet, Bhutan, Nepal, India. Some of them are Buddhist, some of them are simply beautiful out into nature, a pre-Buddhist prayer from over 2,600 years ago. Then maybe Buddhist, the last 2,600 years, or maybe Hindu, or maybe Jain, or maybe a child has come from another nation and said to a parent, or just pointed with their little finger while they were breathing and alive, filled with the light of heaven, pointing, and the parent or grandparent responded, would you like one of these for us to take home that the prayers of eternity might be over your cradle, your crib, the window of your room, your homeless tent encampment, your tree. It's believed that every time the wind blows through such a flag that all of the universe is embodying the prayer offered by the person who sows the flag all the winds of the earth, all the bird songs, the light of every day until the flags eventually become threadbare, their single threads carried away by birds to fulfill their nests of another springtime. So be aware that in your own heart of hearts, in your own soul, no one can take from you this impeccability, this integrity, this capacity. No one can humiliate that part of you. It doesn't belong to them. And only you can open yourself innocently, courageously, nobly, virtuously, wisely to receive the bird song and light of this day. And in prayer and practice, to embody the active principle of livingness, to resolve all shadow within yourself, and to call forward in all other beings this place that is home, and to really only give your attention to that place in every other being, including oneself. If I take the era of von Frank and her friend, Hannah Bick-Gosler, from the time of mid-childhood, they could not have walked safely in Amsterdam or most of Western Europe or Britain, Eastern Europe, parts of Russia. And yet in my lifetime, That argument concluded adequately as the remains of their relatives and von Frank fell away and their spirits looked down upon us to help us really greet this day. Most of their names we don't even know, those souls whose light and sound in heaven helps us in our bodies, and then when they're gone afterwards, which I hope we will do for the universe in these years and afterwards of our human incarnations. So if we walked in my childhood into these cities, they would be being repaired. There was the pallor of the debris of the scarring and hatred and argument and warfare. And now, many decades later, most of those cities and villages and fields are quite beautiful. If we take people's nationalities and define them through judgment and say, that person is from here, they're they're not like me, we are not paying attention to who they are in eternity. Akhmatova was able to turn and look toward a person beyond the borders, look through maybe five languages, and when not knowing one, turn as a poetess and ask someone else, what does that word mean? I don't know that word in my own languages. So her capacity to stay both resilient yet supple is one of the gifts of the lyricist, the musician, the person who is paying attention to the way in which God is creating. The poetess then helps that to be sustained until one knows in one's heart of hearts the next breath, ah, this is what the creator, he, she, that, God, that great one, the universe is causing to come forward beyond all violence now, such a poem that is life. And the great gift Akhmatova held and passed on to all of us, really, definitely to her students, Joseph Brodsky, is a quality of a gift of attention toward that direction. I attended an event several weeks ago which was exquisitely beautiful. It was composed by a woman of German birth. I don't know how to pronounce her name well. Sibyl Zagars Redford. Her her last name is S-Z-A-G-G-A-R-S. Redford, R-E-D-F-O-R-D. She's an artist from Germany. And her time since World War II has been one of painting. And then beginning to create through spoken word, paintings, lyrical poetry, almost like essays, Symphonic reception of composers' works who are friends of hers with instruments and choruses to compose a multi disciplinary pieces as living prayer. She is known to parts of the world through her marriage to Robert Redford, who's now in his mid to late 80s. And she composed a piece in her hope for humankind and the earth called The Way of the Rain. It was performed several years ago in Monaco, in Europe. And then it stopped because of the pandemic. Paused and was to come forward and not, come forward and not. And then it came forward on the half-earth day, six months after the traditional celebration of Earth Day, and so was offered in Dallas, Texas, at a beautiful symphonic hall the Myerson Hall. John and Blaine and I attended, and it was an extraordinarily beautiful evening dedicated to this hope, to this signature we're speaking of, this daughter of Akhmatova. People from her nation killed On Frank. People from her nation tried to kill Hanapit Gosar. And yet, this wonderful woman and her husband embodied a prayer for all of their ancestors and yours and mine. Something living that we might represent the very center of the heart the secret of secrets redford is one of the people most deeply trusted by several of the hopi elders who who mentored me he came and worked with the hopi very deeply decades ago he has given more property to the state of utah than anyone this quiet dedication to our planet, to you, to me. Most mankind, most of mankind, will never know his name in the signature of who he is in the forest, who his wife is in the fields of the Lord. But I got to sit just receiving this living prayer, this living poem of her work, and his. People had to help him stand. His body was quite infirm. He had polio as a little boy. He's 86 years old now. And when he stood up, he turned and looked at John. They don't know one another. Or do they? Do we? Are all of us living in the kiva of the Hopi vessel of the Holy Grail down in the earth, where the men climb a ladder and go down into the Kiva to pray and decide what the seasons will be. When shall we plant the corn? When shall we teach the young boys in this way? When shall we train the young girls in this dance? The seasons of heaven in eternity are mysterious And yet the seeds of them are universal and exquisitely individual in each one of us beyond all warfare. As we turn toward the history of who we are as a human race and allow eternity to move through all of that till our heart of hearts is content and still and nobly, virtuously, we turn into the central direction of that heart and toward eternity in the future and take our next breath and receive and enact what is beyond all warfare. The bird song in the light of God becomes who you are, in who I am, and how we go forward into eternity, out into the light of day, out into the void where we do not understand until the secret of secrets arises to show us who we are and where we go because we are creating a vessel to safely receive what is beyond all weapons i'm going to leave with you with two readings one of them is by a poem named a poet named john ciardi who's no longer alive he is an American poet who was the editor of the Saturday Review for years, was a professor for many years. He's known for many dimensions in his poetic work, and this is from a book of his called In Fact. The poem is called Birdwatching. Every time we put birds out and sunflower seeds, something comes. Most often sparrows, frequently a jay, now and then a junco or a Cardinal. And once, immediately and never again, but as commonly as any miracle, what is happening. And then instantly, incredible forever. The tiniest, was it yellow warbler, as nearly as I could thumb through the bird book for it, or was it an escaped canary? Or simply the one impossible bright bird that is always there during a miracle? and then never. I certainly do not know all that comes to us at times. A bird is a bird as long as it is there. Then it is a miracle our crumbs and sunflower seeds caught and let go. Is there a book to look through for the identity of a miracle? No bird that is there is miracle enough. Every bird that has been is entirely one. And if some miracles are rarer than others, every incredible bird has crumbs and seeds in common with every other. Let there be bread and seed in time. All else will follow. And then from Akhmadova's letters, Joseph Brodsky, October 20th, 1964. Joseph, in the course of the endless discussions I have with you day and night, you ought to know everything that has taken place or has not taken place. This did. And here is fame's high threshold, but a sly voice admonishes, etc. This did not. It is shining. This is Judgment Day, etc. Promise me one thing, that you will stay perfectly healthy. There's nothing on earth worse than hot water bottles, shots, and high blood pressure. And the worst thing about all of this is that it's irreversible. And if you are healthy, golden paths, happiness, and that divine communion with nature, which so captivates all those who read your poetry may await you, Anna.